You are listening to the First Tech Podcast. These podcasts are designed for authorised financial advisors. If you're not an authorised financial advisor, it's important you understand the content of this podcast may be difficult to follow, as it assumes you have the necessary training, qualifications and experience to understand the concepts discussed as well as the technical language used. If you still decide to listen, please understand the information contained in this recording is general information only and does not take into account any of your personal circumstances, needs or objectives. Any scenarios considered during this podcast are purely hypothetical and for illustrated purposes only and do not constitute a recommendation to purchase, hold or sell any financial products or take any other course of action. Expats returning to Australia after living and working overseas will often have some sort of concessionally taxed retirement savings they want to bring with them. And in some situations, these may actually qualify for concessional tax treatment on the transfer into an Australian superannuation fund. However, like everything, the devil is somewhat in the detail here. Now, my name is Craig Day. I'm the head of the First Tech team at Colonial First State. And here to discuss with me the taxation on foreign superannuation fund transfers is the lovely Linda Bruce. Hey, Linda. Hey, Craig. How, How are, are you? you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm very, I'm very well. How are you? I asked for. I'm good. I can keep going forever, right? Excellent. Excellent. All right. Now, we're talking foreign superannuation fund transfers. Now, Interestingly, first heck, well, we always track our our inquiry volumes as well as the type of inquiries. And some interesting little phenomenon we've seen over the last 12 months is an increase in the name in the number of questions that we are getting around people wanting to bring superannuation monies back into Australia after they've returned from being a non-resident. Now why why do we think this is? I've got my suspicions, but I th- don't think... What do you think, Linda? Uh, are you thinking about that word COVID? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, we have had significant numbers. If they can actually manage to get on a plane and get back, yeah. um, we have had a lot of people actually coming to Australia or returning home and and probably thinking about bringing their superannuation back with them. Uh, if it's not that, I, I'm not exactly sure why we're getting more questions. Um, yeah, we used to get know. questions from about the UK pension transfers. Now we just get questions from all over the place, Canadian pension, USA pension scheme. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Mm. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, when you think about it, you know, a, a lot of Australians we could we could go and work in the UK, um, but was that was one of the the more limited spaces. But as you know, we've gone moved more into this global economy and all this sort of stuff. Um, Australians do end up working more and more in different jurisdictions all over the world. So maybe it's just a, a gradual consequence of that that we're now seeing more of these types of questions. But anyway, um, if we are going to bring super back to Australia, there's a couple of things that we need to think about doing, especially if we want to qualify for these tax concessions. So um, do you want to talk me through what those, well, how we qualify for these tax concessions? 
There are some tax concessions associated with transferring money from a foreign super fund into a complying Australian super fund. Um, as we all know, especially the advisors used to deal with UK pension transfers, right? So mm-hmm. um, if the individuals um, come back to Australia or if they're migrating to Australia, uh, during that six-month period since the day they become um, Australian tax resident, they are able, and there's a one-off opportunity to bring the funds over within the six months and the whole entire fund had mm-hmm. no tax implication whatsoever under the Australian rules. So um, if they can get themselves organized and get the money over during that very first month, among uh, many, many other things, uh, yeah, good on them. So they don't have to worry about the tax in Australia. So, so if I am moving back to Australia, then the, <laughs> the first thing I need to be thinking about, let alone yeah. where I'm going to live, <laughs> is your super bringing my Absolutely. money back in. What are the kids going to do? Where are they going to go to school? All of that sort of stuff. I need to think about my super. Very important. <laughs> and bring that in. If I that is if, if I want to qualify for these tax concessions, and I shouldn't laugh too much. I mean, this could actually be quite a, an important deal for someone if if they've actually accumulated a lot of money overseas. Yeah. Um, now, when you say bring it in within six months and it's all tax free, what what happens if I like if this was me, I might get around to thinking about it nine months after I return mm. back to Australia, but maybe not six. So, what would then happen to me? Um, this is a scenario where the overseas pension scheme, the foreign super fund, allows the member to direct this amount into Australian compliance super. So the day they became Australian tax resident, uh, whatever that amount equates to, um, you needed to convert it in from the foreign currency to Australian dollars, that amount count towards the member's non-concessional contribution cap. And the growth to value thereafter, the member actually has a choice. The default option is to have that growth amount taxed at their marginal tax rate, which is perfect for somebody who hasn't organized any income, hasn't got employment. But obviously, you know, if they do have a taxable income elsewhere, um, they can make an election to have the growth component tax the within super fund. Uh, we all know the tax rate is 15%. So effectively, that gross component will be taxed at a 15% rather than the individual's marginal tax rate. And that growth component is not counting towards any of the caps. Okay. All right. Just to, to reiterate this, if I, if I manage to get through this through my head, <laughs> Is so I'm I'm coming back. I haven't moved it within six months because I have been more worried about the kids, where the kids are going to school, etc. Um, I bring it in after nine months. So what they're doing is they're going back and saying, "Okay, Craig, what was that thing worth that you're bringing in? Yep. Let's just say you returned to Australia on the first of January. What was it worth then? What is it worth when you're bringing it in? And then nine months later, and all of that growth, well. Default, that's going to be included in my assessable income and tax to my marginal rate, okay? The capital, though, that's coming in tax-free. So the value of a, of that investment, whatever it is, that superannuation, foreign superannuation investment, 
as at the 1st of January is coming. I don't have to pay tax on that. That's just the capital. It's just the growth that I've incurred since I've returned and become an Australian tax resident. Is that right? That's correct. Yes. Okay. Now, the the other thing I suppose I I really need to worry about here is um, this assumes that the the foreign superannuation fund is actually going to give me this money in the first place. So like Australia, just because you're going off overseas um, or moving to some other country doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to release the money. You have to make sure that they're going to do this in the first place. That's right. Yes. All right. Okay. So bring it in within six months or gold. Bring it in outside six months, I'm going to get taxed at my marginal rate on the growth since I became a tax resident. Or if I elect for this to go into an Australian superannuation fund, then the growth is not taxed at my marginal rate, it's taxed at the super fund tax rate in Australia on income, which is 15%. You'll have to make the election. It doesn't have... have There's a requirement there that has to be the full amount, isn't it? I can't just put half of it. That, that's absolutely correct. You can't do a partial transfer. The whole entire amount needs to be transferred over. You can't have any residual amount, uh, amount in the foreign scheme. Right. So if I come back and want to use a bit of it to buy a new car and do whatever else, and then I'm left with 50 grand from my foreign super fund that they've for some reason let me have, um, bad luck. It needed to be the full amount. If you're trying to do a bit of it, then no, you can't elect for it to be taxed within the fund. Okay, now, um, so what are the requirements here? Obviously, if there's going to be some sort of tax concession, uh, if I've learned anything over the last 20 years in technical services, then any sort of tax concession comes with a condition. What's the What are the rules here? Yes, that scheme needs to meet the definition of a foreign superannuation fund. So what okay, is a foreign right. super fund? I yep. know you're going to ask me that, right? And very definitional. <laughs> what, yes. what is a foreign superannuation fund? So foreign super fund is defined as it's not an Australian super fund. And you're going to oh, ask it? me, yeah, so what is a, a, a super fund, right? It comes down to what's the definition of a super fund. So if we want to get into the nitty gritty details, it goes back to 97 Tax Act by referring to the CIS Act, Section 10. It says it needs to be a super fund that is an identified, uh, indefinitely continuing fund, and this is an important part, is a provident benefit superannuation or retirement fund. What does it mean? Right. Well, what sounds very sole purpose doesn't it? What does, yeah. what does <laughs> it does, that mean? doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. So it got a test. Well, what, what does that effectively mean? Like in just practical terms, if it's going to be a superannuation fund, if I'm thinking about that, that means that the only time that they're going to give me the money is when I retire. Precisely. That's pretty much what it was said by the judges in the high court. They were saying if the fund is solely providing benefit for retirement purposes, most likely that's a super fund. If the fund allows you to have early access on a very, very high level or allows you to access the benefit for other purposes, 
for example, buy your home or pay for education purposes allows you to borrow, most likely that's not a super fund. Okay. All right. So let's look at some examples. Now, obviously, one example that many advisors would have been familiar with and which kind of got shut down to a certain extent a couple of years ago was the old UK pension scheme. So are they a foreign superannuation fund? Indeed, um, it is. ATO has made it very clear, the UK pension scheme, it's a foreign super fund. Actually, their rules are more restrictive compared with us. That's why we got it ticked, uh, kicked out of their cure-up scheme. Right, yeah, that, that is right. Um, now, there are a number that we, you know, there's, there's kind of a, a greatest hits of superannuation schemes around the world. Now, what about the US 401k plans that's very yeah that's a very very popular scheme we got quite a lot of questions on that unfortunately based on the old rulings um issued by the ato in recent years um the ato made it quite clear that because this particular scheme the 401k allows the member to access their benefit pretty much at any age they have to pay higher amount of tax if they access their scheme earlier rather than later. But you can, if you want to pay the tax in the USA, you can have access to the scheme. So the ATO yeah. ruled that not, it's not a foreign super fund. And of same well, that's if, yeah. yeah, that's interesting. Isn't it? So, so you, you could think about that as um, one carrot and stick kind of thing that they could say that this fund is set aside for retirement purposes. And if you take it out early, you can, but we're going to whack you around the head with some nasty tax rates. Um, but but what it seems the High Court is saying is there, no, there must be some sort of concept of preservation here that you actually don't have access um, at all uh, or it's the access is only for retirement. So any sort of rules that would say, well, you can have access, but we're going to discourage that by a high tax rate, that's not enough to be a, a foreign super fund. That's precisely right. Yes. Right. Now, there's, the, you know, keeping to the, you know, the kind of the, the, the big ticket kind of places that Australians have connections with and, and go and live in and places like so the UK we've dealt with, um, uh US, what about Canada? We get a lot of questions about Canadian retirement schemes. So I think there's there's two different types, isn't there, over there? And one does and one doesn't? Is that how it works? Yeah, the, with um, on the tax rulings that we've seen issued by the ATO, um, I think you're right, Craig. The mainstream ones, um, I believe is called RRSP, the Re Registered Retirement Saving Plan. And the ATO said, in the past, not, it's not a foreign super fund. Um, I think mainly because this particular scheme allows the people to borrow to pay for things like education expenses. So mm -hmm. the ATO says yep. no, but we don't know for sure. But it looks like um, if the employment position is terminated, uh, all of a sudden, the amount is transferred to a different Canadian scheme. It's something called a locked-in retirement saving, savings plan. That particular mm -hmm. plan, the ATO says, is quite similar to ours. Uh, the sole benefit is a locked-in until retirement. So based on the ATO ruling in the past, it appears that this particular plan, the locked-in plan, has a higher chance of satisfying this 
foreign super um, super founder definition. Right. It's kind of interesting when you when you think that that we're applying a higher level for foreign funds than we actually apply here in Australia. So you you hear that the Canadian scheme you can obviously access it for um, for for education purposes. Well, Australian superannuation fund we have what's now called the first home super saver scheme. So you can actually access your superannuation to help you buy your first home. So on that basis, an Australian complying superannuation fund in Australia wouldn't actually qualify <laughs> as a foreign super fund if we if we were foreign to Australia. Yeah, it has been um, doing my head in. Yep. Yeah. Um, now, we also do occasionally get the weird and wonderful. So if I had a client that had just recently returned from Kazakhstan and uh, was a member of the Kazakhstan <laughs> pension scheme, um, do we have the faintest, foggiest clue about the Kazakhstan? I don't even know whether there is a Kazakhstan pension. I'm just making this up. Essentially what I'm saying is that we won't know for every single one. So US 401k, some of the Canadian ones, um, mm. the UK pension scheme, et cetera, all qualify um, or, or don't as we've just been through. Um, but other ones that you will get because you will get people working all sorts of weird and wonderful corners of the world and sometimes they will or will not have have retirement or pension schemes over there. Um, and I suppose what I'm saying is if you are got a client sitting in front of you that has returned from Kazakhstan and have some sort of retirement savings, what do they do? I th- I'm assuming they just have to go and apply to the to the ATO for a private binding ruling. Absolutely. I wouldn't have a faintest idea how it works with those schemes. Go to the ATO, get a ruling before um, you do anything, make any recommendations if your licensing allows you to do so. As a matter of fact, even for the scheme you're rel- relatively familiar with, relatively certain about, go get a ruling just in case. I've just had a thought. Can you imagine? There must, <laughs> there must be some guy at the ATO that, that has the, <laughs> the unenviable job of receiving prospectuses from uh, or or summaries of weird and wonderful pension schemes from all over the world and has to sit down and and make a decision on whether they actually qualify as a qualify as a foreign super fund the scrolling through Kazakhstan PDS statements on uh, on what the rules of the fund are wouldn't that be a great job I'm sure there is someone there what a wonderful really job <laughs> yeah now um let's just assume that I am trying to bring money in from a 401k make it nice and simple Yep. Um, I can't. I can't elect for this money to to go into well, could go into super concessionally taxed. Um, so what happens there? I just assume that the full amount is going to be going. Yep, you can do it. It's just whether or not you're eligible, and the contribution will be a non-concessional contribution. Um, yeah, based on the ATO's ruling of ATO's comment in the private rulings. Um, if those type of entities are not foreign super fund, and what are they? The ATO says literally they are foreign trust. The distributions right. made from the trust will just be, you know, trust income. Some might be capital, return of capital. Some might represent income. And if it's income, it might have tax implications. Then right. it really depends on where the client is when they take the money out, right? If they are still overseas, they are not an Australian tax resident, we don't have the tax right to tax that lump sum. They just need to deal with foreign tax. 
However, if they are currently in Australia and they want to bring the money over, they need to investigate with the fund, like you mentioned earlier, Craig. For one, do they have access? For two, what are the options of taking the money out? Do the foreign scheme allow them to direct this amount to the Australian superannuation scheme, uh, complying super fund rather? Let's just say, yes, the scheme is so flexible. All right, you do whatever, whatever you want to do. We withdraw, we withhold the tax and we direct the amount into your nominated complaint super fund. The whole entire amount would be a capital, right? So that will mm -hmm. count towards the members' non-concessional contributions. And the individual, the client will have to do the tax, both in foreign countries and in Australia. Um, you might want to ask, how about the tax withheld overseas? Well, if mm -hmm. that a country and Australia has a tax double tax agreement, those tax paid in foreign countries may become a foreign tax credit. However, as we all know, that claiming foreign tax offset is not easy. There is a limit uh, in terms of how much the a client can claim, and that calculation is so complex. I'm not going to do it myself, so please make sure that you get really good professional tax advice. Go and pay for that. Yeah. Yes, yes. So, okay, so if, if it's not a foreign super fund, essentially what you're saying to me is that the ATO is going to treat that as just some sort of foreign trust that's distributing income. Then it depends on whether you're still overseas when you're accessing this money or whether you've actually returned to Australia and you're now trying to get it out of the foreign system. Um, then you're just getting some sort of foreign trust distribution. Um, what the taxation of that will be, will it will be what it will be once you go and seek your, your specialist tax assistance. Um, and then if you're directing that money straight into superannuation, then it's just simply a concessional contribution, or sorry, non a non-concessional contribution, yep. unless you're claiming a tax deduction for some or all of it. And uh, in that case, part of it would obviously be a concessional contribution in that situation. All right. I think that pretty much sums it up for transferring money. I think what I've essentially learned here is that, yes, I can potentially um, have lived overseas in some exotic climb and bring my money back to Australia, whether I will get concessional tax treatment, have any growth uh, on the taxation there. That will depend on whether I uh, qualify as a foreign superannuation fund transfer, bringing the money back in, or whether I bring it in within the, the six months. I suppose that both of them are foreign super fund requirements. So if I am coming back in, get on my skates, get this sorted out, bring it within within six months. Otherwise, uh, I've got to direct all of that money into an Australian super fund and I will get concessional tax treatment. It's only I've just got to satisfy that requirement that that fund that I'm bringing it in from really is there purely, you know, preserves benefit purely for retirement. And uh, if I've got some sort of other scheme that allows earlier access, such as to buy a home or education expenses, then it's probably not going to qualify as a foreign scheme. And so therefore, I'm not going to get that concessional tax treatment if I bring the money in. All right, Linda, is there anything else we need to say? I think you, uh, we have um, pretty much what we can think of covered, but go get professional advice. That's what I'm going to say. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to talk more generally about it, give us a call on the tech team. Um, we don't have an article on this one. We might be putting something together. I think you could uh, look at various parts of this in our First Tech Superannuation Retirement Income Stream Guide, I think. Yes, yeah. we do. We have a section right. covers the uh, foreign, super, uh, foreign super lump sum. 
So it covers situation where the fund will not let the money goes into Australian super fund. So how the tax mm-hmm. is applicable, and then it covers section where they do let the money go to our complying super fund. And we do have okay. other sections covering UK pension and the um the wonderful Kiwi Silver account and the transtasman portability scheme. Fabulous. All right. Thank you so much, Linda. Thanks, Craig. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the First Tech Podcast. Please remember, these podcasts are designed for authorised financial advisors. If you're not an authorised financial advisor, you need to remember that any scenarios considered during this podcast were for purely hypothetical and illustrative purposes only and do not constitute a recommendation to purchase, hold or sell any financial products or take any other course of action. And finally, you should read the relevant product disclosure statement before making any investment decision and once again consider talking to a financial advisor. While all care has been taken in preparation of this podcast using sources we believe to be reliable and accurate, no person including Colonial First Aid Investments Limited or Commonwealth Bank Group of Companies accepts responsibility for any loss suffered by any person arising from reliance on this information.